Hello, and welcome to the NPRD podcast with nurse practitioner and registered dietitian Robin Kivit. Eating disorders, body image, medicine, they are all interconnected. But with so many programs, techniques, and advice to choose from, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Robin, with more than 25 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and registered dietitian, offers help and hope for everyone, families, children, and adults. Along with veteran talk show host and good friend, Jordan Rich, Robin invites you to learn much more right here on the NPRD podcast. Welcome to the next edition of the NPRD. We are very lucky to have Lauren Deer. She is a fellow dietitian who works specifically in eating disorders and the gastrointestinal system. So I'll let Lauren introduce herself. Hi, Robin. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm Lauren Adler Deer. I'm a dietitian in the Boston area. And I, like Robin said, I specialize in the overlap of GI issues and eating disorders and have been um, really doing this for 10 years now. And I've had my practice for 10 years. And I'm also very interested in uh, gut-directed hypnotherapy and how that, and hypnotherapy in general, and how that can help our population. And um, it's something I'm trained in and love to do. I think what we might need to do is have you on a second time for hypnotherapy, but we'll yeah. talk about the overlap. <laughs> sure. so at one time back in the prehistoric ages, we practiced, you know, geographically near one another. We so did. We were both like downtown sort of Faneuil Hall area. Yep. And we even met for lunch in person. Yes. That, that was mm-hmm. something that used to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for your time. I think one of the things that, you know, one place I'd like to start off with is what do you wish eating disorder professionals knew about the overlap in GI that maybe we don't pay enough attention to? I think just the amount of discomfort and pain and disturbance that can come from the GI issues that may be happening because of the eating disorder behaviors, but a lot of the time are happening because the person has a a GI problem, Mm -hmm. like IBS or SIBO or who, you know, who knows what. And, and having compassion for people who are, you know, really suffering and having chronic issues. Um, and it hurts, you know, especially people who have um, disorders of the gut brain access and it hurts or it feels uncomfortable or they're in pain when they eat. And right. it's so hard when it's intertwined with the eating disorder because, uh, you know, a lot of the time the GI issues cause the eating disorder. Sometimes the eating disorder caused the GI problems. And um, I think just being really sensitive to that and understanding. And sometimes, you know, just a lot of people will will tell people, oh, well, when the eating disorder behaviors resolve, your symptoms will resolve. We just got to get there. But I think that sometimes we need to work on the GI condition so the person can eat more comfortably and then 
start to to work on the eating disorder. I mean, you can do both at the same time, but you can really get someone reducing their eating disorder behaviors when their gut feels better. <laughs> right. And I think I love how you put that, you know, sometimes one comes first, sometimes the other comes first. It's mm-hmm. not so, it, you know, I think it's important for listeners to know most of whom are in the field, but some are not. And, you know, we have parents listening. We have other folks mm-hmm. listening who may be experiencing these these pieces, but you might have a GI diagnosis that comes first and that then can precipitate the eating disorder, just like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, one thing I'm wondering is, are there different trends in the actual GI, GI diagnoses that you're seeing more or less of for the listeners to hear? Yeah, I mean, I think like most people know IBS. I mean, there's a lot of irritable bowel syndrome, but sometimes, you know, I I see a lot of people have been diagnosed with IBS and then I start asking them questions and and I say, did this get tested? Did they rule out this and this and this? And the answers are no, no, no. I'm like, well, how do we know if you have IBS? Mm-hmm. You know, you're having diarrhea all day and they didn't rule out bile acid malabsorption. <laughs> Um, or they didn't really, you know, having constipation, but they didn't check you for pelvic floor dysenergia mm-hmm. or pelvic floor dysfunction. I, but, but yes, there is a lot of IBS out there. Um, I think probably more, probably more than half of the GI issues I see are constipation. Um, so many people are just full of stool and constipation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when they get it out of them, <laughs> They feel so much they better. Feel better, right? You would be surprised at how often that is the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because when you're constipated, you feel bloated. You can be so constipated that you don't want to eat. You feel nauseous. Right. And, you know, and of course, restricting your food intake causes constipation. Um, but but some some people just have slow motility, and other people have pelvic floor dysfunction that causes constipation. And so, really trying to like. I, that is, I see so much of it. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of people have eating disorders, you know, may have experienced trauma that's related to pelvic floor dysfunction and constipation. Be a lot of people hold tension in that area. It's just another place to hold tension. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say uh, that is a big part of what we're seeing in my practice. Um, and then also, Uh, I think what we're seeing more lately is more Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, Mm -hmm. gastroparesis, POTS, and um, MCAS, bast cell disorder. And we are just seeing so much more, um, especially POTS and POTS management and helping people with the GI issues that come from POTS, like nausea, bloating, um, diarrhea, that can happen. And um, that's been you know, something that we're learning a lot, learning a lot about, um, definitely because, uh, post COVID that triggers people with POTS, but it's just kind of been coming out of the woodwork. I've had two patients diagnosed with Erlo-Stanos in yeah. the last month that yeah. I've been seeing for years. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I've had some pelvic floor folks on, the podcast, we're going to do it again. And I think it's important. One of the things you had said that crossover 
important for listeners to know that the pelvic floor dysfunction and crossover with constipation is a male and female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, I just want to say that out loud because I think sometimes it's like thought of as only one way. Mm -hmm. Um, You have how many dietitians in your practice, Lauren? Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. I I have a a group practice now. There's two dietitians that work for me. Allie Green used to be Allie Klon and then um, Molly Roach. Um, And Molly works for me part-time. She also works at, at Harvard. Nice. So you're managing patients and you're managing a group practice. So it's mm-hmm. just, that's also mm-hmm. awesome because you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tell, let, let's go in. Can you, um, can you, for the listeners, give us the longer version name for POTS so that folks know? Um, um, I think it's uh, postural orthopedic tachycardia syndrome. Yeah, syndrome. Yep. And so, well, so with POTS, we're seeing that more post-COVID. Yep, because the majority of POTS cases are uh, are triggered by some sort of infection or illness, Mm -hmm. but it's been around a lot longer. Like estimated, I think 1% of people had POTS and just went to a great webinar from Cheryl Harris. She did a webinar on POTS. And I think she said that is now about 2% of the population. And so for the listeners, that means that our blood pressure drops, mm-hmm. right? And then and then what happens in the GI system? I think that we, you know, I think when people, when we're talking about POTS, when people are like standing up and I think there's more issues like, uh, you know, blood pressure dropping, but also, you know, dizziness yeah. and um, those type of symptoms, the GI symptoms are like nausea, right? Uh, there's a lot of nausea and bloating. And then a lot of GI symptoms usually occur after eating, especially large meals, because all the, all the blood is going to the GI tract. And, mm-hmm. um, so it could, it's really important to be managing people's pots with sodium before meals. So taking, you know, having them have 500, milligrams of sodium um before they eat about 15 minutes before they eat can be incredibly helpful for that because a a lot of people will describe just like feeling nauseous bloated but also so fatigued and tired have to lay down after meals and if you if they hydrate and have uh sodium before meals it's incredibly helpful that's an incredible pearl yeah also when they wake up so having electrolytes so, I mean, it can be elect- an, an ORS, oral rehydration solution, or it can just be like a salt pill, mm-hmm. um, 500 milligrams when they wake up in the morning, because the mornings are the hardest uh, for people with POTS, you know, getting out of bed. So before they even getting out of bed, having, uh, you know, like eight to 16 ounces of water and at least 500 milligrams of sodium. Which is going to decrease their experience possibly of their low blood pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then thus better the rest. I want to talk about gastroparesis for a second. How Mm -hmm. much do you see, are you seeing that? Oh, I want to, wait, can I first just go back to- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to, like the the diagnosis of POTS um, is, is also about heart rate. So like increase of heart rate going up more than 30 beats per minute when going from- 
um, sitting down or laying down to standing. Um, and then like a drop in blood pressure as well. So both of those and diagnosed with a, technically with a tilt table test. Right. Right. That's very important. Um, we don't make these diagnoses ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> they, are, they are made by clinicians. So I want to go back to the gastroparesis. A yeah. It doesn't really matter which one comes first, but I've found that that is such a challenging diagnosis for a person. Really yeah. Quite debilitating. And what are some of your pearls specifically around maybe treating a patient with, with gastroparesis who, who also has an eating disorder? It doesn't matter which one came first. You know, gastroparesis from an eating disorder can often improve, which is a good thing. It's like giving, because gastroparesis is just so horrible having food sit in your stomach for hours on end, like nauseous, like, you know, and there's also such degrees of gastroparesis, mild to, to severe. Um, so for someone with an eating disorder, it can improve. It may not improve. Um, gastroparesis does often come along with um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome because everything, like things kind of slow down. So a lot of constipation and um, gastroparesis. But I would say the most important thing is texture modification. So mm -hmm. uh, everyone talks about fat and fiber because fat and fiber are what stay in the stomach the longest. Right. But even more important is modifying the texture of what someone's eating. Um, so in terms of like having, like you can have vegetables, but put them in a soup and blend them up. I mean, it also really depends on the severity. So you want to see someone's gastric emptying study, how mm -hmm. much did they have left at that four hour mark was 60% of their meal still in their stomach at four hours or, or was it less or was it more? Um, and that'll help you, figure out how they can eat. I mean, usually people with gastroparesis do better eating four times a day with space in between more in the morning because they can usually tolerate more in the morning. Though if someone has pots, it's really much harder to right. eat in the morning. So it gets yeah. complicated. <laughs> and, and having, you know, not saying everything has to be like super low fat, but doing fats more in a liquid form, like more oils, um, nut butters and smoothies. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's when, you know, for eating disorders, we, you know, people in recovery, we want them to be eating everything, but if they really do have gastroparesis, making modifications for the texture of the foods they're eating can be helpful for, to get people and help people eat more. And holding them or helping them hold the process around that so mm -hmm. that they're not feeling they're then restricting or they're being made to be restricting because you're yeah. actually treating the gastroparesis. Yeah. 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 And there's so many different conditions. I, I just wanted to put in a little plug for a group that I'm working with. We call yeah. it the, the edgy training project. And um, Love so this. edgy is eating disorder GI. And there are 10 of us working on a training for, for dietitians on the overlap of eating disorder and GI. And you know, I, I did contribute Marcy Evans. Yes, yes, you did. One yeah. that I uh, helped with and she is fantastic. And, um, and I love being part of part of her training. Um, this one is, I would say we're going to do a workshop like a, a virtual 
workshop and then a very, very comprehensive handbook. So just going into detail of like, these are the conditions. How do you, how do you treat is gastroparesis? Um, anything from gastroparesis to celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease, IBS, like everything. So, so 10 of you, 10 clinicians, all from this area or all from no, we're all around the country, Wonderful. Um, California. I mean, we're all in different States and there's one psychologist on our team and one um, gastroenterologist that Wonderful. is probably joining. Great. We're nine and we're, we're recruiting a gastro, gastro to be on our this team. Is, so, this is great. Um, yeah. But we have a website called edgitraining.com. And okay. people sign up and um, be notified when our uh, uh, workshop and everything is going to be out. But yeah, it's really exciting to be able to make a comprehensive training and document to be able to help people because I get so many questions about specific. I mean, here we just talked about mostly about like POTS and gastroparesis, but there's so many <laughs> and constipation, but there's so many other issues and details and things for people to learn. So let me make sure I have it right for our listeners, edgitraining.com. That's right. Yeah. But your personal website is dearnutrition.com. That's right. 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 Yep. So I want yep. listeners to be able to find you. You do take some insurances yep. in your yep. practice. Yeah, so we take that. major insurances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when is the training? That's the big question, right? When is the training going to be done, <laughs> Lauren? <laughs> Honestly, I think that I I think we put a timeline for next uh, February twenty twenty four. Got it. Got is it. when we'll actually uh, cross my fingers launch yeah. the the online training. So an online training. What, what I we a, didn't a live train a live training with a very yeah. comprehensive handbook to go with it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And CEs, you know, continuing education, right? right. I'm sure you're working on that. Yeah. Um, Who's this geared towards? Not just dietitians. Are other other folks too, or mainly dietitians? I mean, I think other folks that may be interested, it's really, really mainly for dietitians. Mm -hmm. Great. And are any, are any of you presenting concomitantly upcoming in the group? I'm sure we are. I know like Janelle Smith is, is the one that really started this. One of our, our, our members, she is speaking, I think she's speaking soon about celiac disease and eating disorders. I'd have to get you the details though. That's okay. That's okay. I just wondered if it was happening at the same yeah. time. And then um, Beth Rosen is one of our members and she is often giving talks on the overlap of eating disorders and GI. I think she just did one recently for the company Fodzyme. Uh, that's that's something for people to know too, that in terms of, you know, because we get so many referrals for the low FODMAP diet that these enzymes, uh, Fodzyme and FODMATE um, are really great for, um, for people to help to break down the high FODMAP food so you don't have to put people on the low FODMAP diet. Mm-hmm. And how can listeners find these? Um, Fodzyme, you can just, I think- Google probably. yeah. Fod mate, you're supposed to, I, I usually send people a link to a diet. Yeah. I mean, people would need to contact. No, I'm sure you can find them all online. Okay. Okay. Thank you. People we did find we, them all online. Yeah. As we find most things, right. Um, we didn't get to talk about the hypnotherapy. 
Ah, so mm -hmm. we'll have you back on for that. But now what I'm thinking too is to have you back on closer to the launch of this training. I think that's super smart. Okay. So I'm so grateful for your time. We always just skim the surface and I wish we had so much more time to be able to delve. There's so much. Yeah. So we'll wrap up. Um, And then, and then we'll have you on again. And so we can find Lauren at DearNutrition.com. And just to repeat one more time, the edgy dietitians, I love that, or this edgy group. That's so great, that acronym. So it's EDGITraining.com. All right. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thank you for joining us for the NPRD podcast with Robin Kivit. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate and review us and share this valuable podcast with friends and family. Help and hope is found here. For more, just go to robinkivit.com. That's R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-E-V-I-T.com. Or check out the NPRD.com.